Hey everybody, this is uh, Guy Midkiff with Wise Guy Talks. Today I have Victor Avila in here before, uh, again, <laughs> before, and we're going to be talking about his new book that just came out this week called Agent Under Fire. I had the distinct pleasure of interviewing Victor, oh, what was it, about three months ago? More or less, Something yeah. like that. And, and he described in detail over about a two-hour period uh, this, this uh, heartbreaking shootout that he got into down in Mexico. He wrote a book on it, and here we are. So, Victor, what's going on with this book? Bring us up to date. Super excited about the book, Guy. This is a, uh, a, a, a process and an uh, endeavor that I've been going through for the past several years, close to five years. And, you know, the, the, the passion that I had to write this book and, and the purpose was for me to be able to uh, many things. One is to honor Special Agent Jaime Zapata. Other is to inform uh, a lot of people that still don't know what happened to us in Mexico and what that matters to our national security and our continuing uh, agents that serve abroad, not just in Mexico, but in uh, all around the world. And, um, and to get people to know the perspective of a person that's worked on the border in Mexico and other places uh, that really talk about uh, a person that's been in, been there and done that about our national security and our border security issues. The mechanics of writing this book, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how hard was it? <laughs> 10. 10. It's super hard. Okay. I, I joke around with my wife and tell her that I went to college. I know how to write. Well, it's a, it's a completely different uh, uh, animal, if you will. It is, it's a literary world that I wasn't aware of. Uh, I became... Uh, very, very educated in that world of uh, agents, literary agents and publishers and editing and, and all that. But uh, I started off with uh, just putting my thoughts down on paper. And I would, um, it started in Mexico, actually, when I was so busy in Mexico that I started doing post-it notes. And I would put these post-it notes, uh, and I, I, I started being known as a post-it note agent because I carry these post-it notes all, all throughout the day, and at night I would write two or three words of what I did that day, and I would throw it in my closet or a drawer. And I had this huge collection of post-it notes. That's where it started from. Um, so I always, one of the things that I pride myself on is always reading the author's book before they come in so I can engage intelligently. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is the first time. I just didn't have enough time between, it's just too compressed with all the crazy COVID stuff going on. I could give you excuses out the wazoo, but one of the other things that I always like to do, and I didn't, we didn't plan for this, so I have no idea how this is about to turn out, but I always like to have the author read a page or two of something that is critical in the book. Oh my goodness, there's a, there's a lot of- Grab, uh, grab that yeah, book right me, there. there. We could, uh, gosh, uh, let me grab my glasses here real quick. Sorry, I, I really put you in the trick bag. It's okay. Uh, there's a, uh, so the, the, the book covers uh, a little bit of a memoir of who I am, where I came from, uh, my family, and then it moves into my career. And then, of course, uh, talk about my assignment in Mexico. And, uh, uh, and then the second, uh, in all the shooting and the aftermath of the shooting and the legal aspect of it, the second portion, the last portion of the book, uh, the part two of it, is really talking about border security and what, um, what you can do and what we can do to better increase our, uh, our national security from these cartels that pose uh, 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 what I believe an imminent threat to our country. 
So let me see. What 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 kind of portion would you like to hear from? I, I, what I always tell people in a pre-interview when I do this properly and not shotgun wedding the way we're doing this is I just say, tease the people with something that's going to make people want to go out and buy this book. I could read you. Um, this is what it says in the back cover. I mean, this is the simplest thing, but... Uh, um, Agent Under Fire, A Murder and a Manifesto is a true story of unprecedented corruption, international intrigue, human trafficking, money laundering, drug running, mass murders, and government evasion. Chock full of page-turning stories and re revelatory insights into Mexico's criminal underworld, this book moves beyond the everyday true crime memoir and delves into the larger questions of what it means for a family man to put his life on the line every day to topple some of the cruelest criminal organizations known to mankind. The book also serves as a manifesto exploring solutions to misguided immigration policies and offering a unique perspective on what it will take to control our southern border and protect vulnerable American lives. Excellent. So when I look at the, the cover, um, I, I, I detect a couple things here. Uh, the name of the book, Murder and Manifesto. Where does the word manifesto come from? I chose that word because it really, um, it's not just a memoir, it's a, um, it's really, it's real. And that's a stronger word that I want to use than a, than a memoir or a true story. Uh, this is, uh, what I share in this book is personal, it is what happened, is what I've lived. And um, obviously the highlight of the book is it, I go into the shooting in detail. But also uh, highlights my experience in dealing with different governments and and negotiating with corrupt officials and 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 the the conditions that we were placed in, not just in Mexico but other parts of the world as well. And uh, and so that's why I chose that word. And of course, the murder is because of the uh, Agent Zapata's uh, tragic death. Uh, you see the three the three bullet yeah, holes. Yeah, I was going to ask this question. Is there a lot of symbology here? You've got three bullet holes in the American flag. Let's talk about that for a moment. Well, the, the American flag, uh, I, I needed it there because um, I'm, I'm a patriot uh, and I love our country. I, uh, When I was going through the shooting, and I think we want to mention this in, in the first interview, after when I was rescued, uh, the helicopter showed up in Mexico and were taken uh, to the to the hospital. I felt like such a foreigner in, in my own country of origin where my parents were born. Uh, I felt I could have been in China. And I felt such, uh, I was, felt like such an American. And I, I, I truly felt a disconnect, even being a Mexican-American. I knew uh, if there was ever any doubt in my mind that there never was, but I felt passionately, proudly uh, of being an American. And so I needed to have the American flag here. The three bullet holes you see is uh, the three the the three times that I was shot. Okay, so I was curious what that meant. Are, are they in relationship to kind of uh, in your body where you were shot? Um, actually, no. Uh, they I, I think that's just the way they got, ended up being placed. But I got shot once in the chest and twice in my left leg. And then uh, if you see the bottom under underneath my name is is a blue line, and that's the uh, the blue line for. Uh, all law enforcement as a tribute to uh, law enforcement as a as a big supporter that I am of them. So what do you what do you think about all this defund police stuff that's going on? How, how do you how does that ring in your ear? It's incredible to me that that we've seen it that it's happening around our country. 
uh, it's incredible that that uh, that people don't don't want the police, uh, but they don't want them um, until they need them. Mm. And so uh, we, we've even seen in some of these cities where once these rioters and and these looters uh, come to their property and they are personally affected, the first person they call is the police, and they demand the police there to be there even faster for them. And so um, it's it, it's a bad bad journey and bad direction and a dangerous one if we continue to go down that path in this country. Uh, <clears throat> I think well, I know for a fact you felt like there could potentially be some controversy. And I take a lot of pride in the fact that I helped out at a very low level in this in this cover. And you were concerned that maybe some people, veterans in particular, would take offense to the bullet holes. And so I said, I'll tell you what, I'm in contact with several, several hundred uh, Marines, uh, sailors, Army, um, Army guys, and I will just send out emails to them and I'll include a picture of this and ask them without any prep, just say, how do you feel about the bullet holes in, you know, in this cover? And do you remember the responses that I sent back to you? There were incredible responses. And, and, and I'll preface it by saying that I didn't want to offend I didn't, the bullet holes on the, uh, on the flag. The last thing I wanted to is uh, uh, disrespect our flag. Uh, I, I hold uh, our flag very highly as a symbol of our, of our freedom. And I displayed it in my house uh, proudly. And so I was uh, conflicted with the bullet holes. I, I didn't know that people would take how they would take that. But after hearing from, from veterans and, and some of your friends, uh, it was more of a, of a, of a badge of honor type of uh, response that I was very, very grateful to hear because our flag has been through battles, wars, and is still standing. And that's what this flag represents, and it makes me even prouder to have used it in this fashion. So how does the book begin? I mean, how do, how do you open it up? It, it tells you who Victor Avila is. I grew up in, in, in El Paso, Texas, in a border town, uh, to a lower-income family. Uh, my parents immigrated here uh, legally. Uh, they first came, uh, my dad, to California, then eventually moved to Texas, and that's where my, my twin sister and I were born. And so I give people the background of, of who I am, how, how I grew up, and what my upbringing was. And that was these, these values that were instilled by my parents of hard work and dedication. Um, my mom still to this day has the certificates of me having 100% attendance <laughs> at school. Um, I, couldn't, I, I didn't miss school. Uh, I had these certificates. I did not miss one day of school for many years. And that continued in my professional life. Yeah. And I move forward really quickly to tell you that even as a professional, when, when after I went to the shooting, I had a lot of sick time and, and, and time saved up because of that uh, upbringing. Some people consider you an American success story. You, you lived, uh, your parents, for a, a brief period of time in the barrio of El Paso. Mm -hmm. Tell us, uh, do you remember that at all? Absolutely. What, what was that like and for you to become a federal law enforcement officer from that humble background, what does that say about what you can do in this country? i tell you what, I'm an example of it and it, it has to do with uh, several things. Hard work, God, education, family, those kind of values uh, that my parents instilled on, on me and my sisters. And 
everyone in this country has that opportunity. And that's what makes me more proud of it because the opportunities are there and, and they, they sometimes hit your forehead with it and you just have to be able to look, uh, look at it and not ignore those opportunities because I understand there's sometimes the opportunities are there, but people don't want them. You have to want to make those decisions as well. Now, I didn't make every perfect decision in my life or my career, but uh, I made uh, in, enough of the good ones to, to put me where I am. And, and especially these type of uh, positions in, in law enforcement that you have to have a clean background and, and get different types of clearances. Uh, I was very fortunate uh, to, to have that kind of a, a clean upbringing. So Jaime's mom follows you quite mm -hmm. closely. Yes. Um, and she'll see this video. Why don't you speak to her for a moment? Uh, Mr. Speak and Mrs. to her in Spanish if you want. No, it's okay. That <laughs> we communicate in English, and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Zapata know that that I've always done, um, continue, and will always continue to fight for justice for for Jaime and and their family. Even as we do this interview, we're still fighting for the court case uh, that was not is not going to be presented to the, to the U.S. Supreme Court. And I'm talking about the murder charge of Special Agent Jaime Zapata was dismissed by the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. And so I, I am completely involved in, in seeking justice and having the, uh, the executive privilege lifted from the uh, Obama administration that blocked us from obtaining all our documents and all our uh, uh, FOIA requests to uh, uncover what was, what was happening with, for example, Fast and Furious and, and our uh, botched assignment as well. On, on Highway 57. So I will continue to 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 be their voice as well. Uh, I think they know that and uh, everything that I do, I do it with Jaime's intention. Uh, the, the presentations that I do for military groups and law enforcement groups are also a tribute to Jaime every time because I want to make sure that his legacy and his, uh, uh, his death is not in vain and it's something that he, uh, that the people of the United States need to know about his sacrifice. Let's focus on the shootout. The actual once the the lead started flying, um, is it anything at all like what you see uh, in the movies where time seems to slow down? Do you think about God? Do you think about anything? Or are you just completely absorbed in the moment of survival? For me, it was uh, survival. For me, um, it was. Uh, jump into type of the, the action that I could do right then and there and is trying to escape from the from that situation uh, you know it's the flight uh, fight or freeze type of thing I went through all three of those in a span of uh, two minutes now most police shootings happen in seconds this shooting happened from the very beginning for we were forced off the road to the very last bullet that went and the 40 minutes that I waited for response time uh, the actual shooting portion was a, a almost two minutes long, and in the law enforcement world, it is an eternity, and it was very difficult to navigate through that. So I didn't have the a lot of times, you know, people would describe it. My life flashed before my eyes. I thought about my kids. I thought about my wife. I did not. I thought about survival. I thought about keeping Jaime alive. I thought about seeking for help. I was on the phone. Uh, trying to do everything that I could in my power to, uh, to get us to a safe uh, position. So as the shootout is going on, um, do you actually hear anything? Do you hear loud pops or has 
sound kind of gone away. A lot, a lot of people, when they get into these situations, they talk about sound kind of gets turned off and it becomes very visual. So, um, yeah, guy, you, uh, you hit a little bit of... Sorry. Take your time. Want some water? I, I got my coffee. Oh, okay. So while and we're uh, regrouping here, uh, Victor's book, you're going to be able to find it on Amazon and also, uh, what was the other publisher? Uh, LibertyHillPublishing.com. And you're going to... And BarnesandNoble.com. And you're developing a new website called... Uh, AgentUnderFireBook.com. And and are you going to do your name as well? Will it yes. be found? Uh, VictorAviladJr.com. So, so you'll be able to find it in both places. You're going to put a link from the, the website of the book on to absolutely and uh, it'll be on all my all my social media as well is it victor avila jr yes victor avila jr.com okay so let's pick up um obviously it's a tough question in some ways i kind of feel i feel bad but i think it's important that the people that are watching this understand the immense psychology and emotion that goes through a person's head um in milliseconds, just like that. And so I, I, want, I want to get back to really understanding the moment so that the viewer can at least have, even though they'll never be able to, to, to walk in your shoes, let's take them as closely as we can to it. And, and, and I was asking about sounds. Yeah, the, 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 the sound, and uh, I dislike this word triggered, but uh, it's it really what it is. And it's funny you mentioned that word because um, for many years after, uh, I hadn't thought about the sounds now, um, and I'm not talking about the gunshot sounds here. Uh, I have hearing loss in my left ear because I was shot inches from my head, and so I have hearing loss in my left ear, um, uh, but I'm able to go to the range, and I'm able to shoot guns. Uh, I thought that the gunpowder and the gunshots would be something that would uh, keep me from ever shooting, and that's not the case. Uh, that, that's something that does not take me back to the scene. I'm, I'm okay. But there's other sounds there that uh, I'm not going to describe here because I think it's out of, res out of respect for, for uh, sure. the Zapata family that that are, are very personal. And uh, and uh, But I just want the people to know that uh, there are some sounds and smells and other issues that, that sometimes do come back. Do you think that this comes back in the form of PTSD? Absolutely. I mean, I'm diagnosed with it, and it's uh, it's something that it's uh, controlled. Uh, there's a there's a big misconception with uh, PTSD uh, because there's a, little, uh, a a lot of facets of PTSD and, and a lot of different types of PTSD. Um, I, I I don't have the PTSD that people think that I'm a danger to anyone or to myself. That's not the PTSD. As a matter of fact. My doctors have encouraged me to go out and shoot and carry all the guns that I want. Uh, my PTSD is, is, is very emotionally attached to, uh, to Jaime and, and, the, and the incident there. So you're something of a bon vivant, a new age man. I think you, didn't I read recently where you set some kind of a record with a pistol? Talk to us about that, brother. <laughs> the record uh, was, a, was a great thing that happened this past summer. Um, uh, I, I'll plug USA One Shot. They're, they're the ones that are responsible for this. USA One Shot is a company that has developed and invented a a brace that you 
It's a, uh, it's a brace that stands alone. It's a, a very lightweight plastic type brace that you hold up to your handgun. It's made to uh, any officer's uh, sidearm and they could carry this brace on their duty belt. And it really, what it does, it makes your handgun become into like a mini rifle because it has, it becomes like a stock that really stabilizes your handgun and really makes you a great marksman. Uh, and so what they wanted to do is prove that um, in an active shooter situation of, uh, God forbid, a school shooting or, or a mall shooting or a theater shooting, that the first responder police can grab the one shot, put it up to their uh, handgun, and take the, uh, the threat out with one shot. And so the, by, by, doing the, by doing this, I shot uh, with a handgun, a 10 millimeter handgun, a world record of hitting a target on a standalone uh, uh, position, offset position, 2,010 yards. And no I hit, way. And I, hit that, and I hit that target. And I hit another one at 1,650 with a, uh, a 10 millimeter Glock. And what, what they're trying to prove here is that if you could hit a target that far over a mile, uh, 25 yards, 75 yards is nothing for a police officer. Most police shootings happen between 7 and 10 feet. And so that the one shot really just brings a lot of things uh, to the police officer. Stability calms them down um, because, as you know, the police officer is dealing with a lot of other issues in an active shooter situation. So that stability calms that officer down, is able to uh, bring the sights up to his handgun and, and save lives. So the muzzle, muzzle velocity on 10 millimeters, like around 1200 feet per minute, which is pretty slow in the big scheme of things. How do you figure the, uh, the drop, the amount that the <coughs> bullet is going to drop over 2000 yards? So we were set up at uh, approximately 100 feet above, <coughs> uh, uh, higher than the target below and it was a 36 by 36 metal plate. And so that was taken into consideration and did take uh, approximately 11 seconds for the round to hit. So I wasn't accustomed to that. I'm not, in, I'm not a competitive shooter by any means, but I had a lot of shooting in my experience and in my law enforcement career. And so it, it was uh, uh, something new as we all, anyone that's shot and, and shoots at a paper target or any kind of metal target, you're used to kind of right away looking at see where you, where you shot. And, and kind of evaluating that. In this case, I didn't have that. Uh, I, they asked me, you gotta maintain that, uh, that, that position because as you can see, imagine the target was moving all over the place. And once I was set there, I was <coughs> constantly having to maintain that position. Uh, and, and so the coach that I had behind me, which was a previous world record holder, would tell me you're, one, you're hitting you know, one target to the right, one target to the left, or you're right on it. You're right. Like I, I had multiple rounds hit right underneath, right at the foot of the, of the metal plate, and and but we didn't know if we were actually hitting hitting the uh, the 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 target until after we were done, drove down there, and there was a big celebration about it. So you think you can beat me at 25 yards? Uh, you're pretty good. You're a pretty good guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that 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 looked like you had a lot of fun when when you what was that in Arizona? Utah? That was in, in uh, Nevada, northern Nevada, Nevada. Uh, kind of east of Reno area. That's outstanding. So did that record get published anywhere? Or? Oh yeah, it's uh, it got published. <laughs> uh, it was released uh, in the media. People can also find it on on my Facebook page and Victor Avila Facebook page and my Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at VicSurvivor11. Uh, and so it was something that uh, some interviews came about that and they've talked about it. It's uh, 
it, it's a great accomplishment. It, it just really, uh, I, I believe in the product uh, on top of everything. I, I would, I wish that they, this company could get them into the hands of a lot of law enforcement officers. Do you think that this book will change people's lives, will bring information to them that they may not have been aware of? I mean, after I read this book, hopefully I'm going to end up with a signed copy before you leave, but uh, that was a gentle hint, brother. <laughs> of course. Um, what, what am I going to take away from it if I didn't know Victor Avila from John Smith? I mean, it would bring, it's going to bring you a lot of awareness. It's going to teach you about <clears throat> federal law enforcement work. Uh, I've, I've cited in the book and I've talked about a couple of cases that I've had <clears throat> as, a, as a transition to the book. You know, it is a book and people I understand want to be entertained by it. And uh, everything that, that is in this book is factual and is what I lived and, and went through, even some of the scenarios that, uh, that I put in there in arrests. But, but most importantly, it brings two, two things. It brings the awareness of the dangers that our agents uh, face abroad, not just in Mexico, but all around the world. Second, uh, the second part of the book is really teaches people, and they might have heard some of it before, but now you get to hear it from a person, uh, from the perspective of a person that was on the ground. I'm not a person that went down there and you know stood in front of the wall for five minutes and tell you that I'm an expert at it. I have worked the border. I've worked on both sides of the border and lived on the border and really bring you that perspective, especially when it comes to human trafficking, human smuggling, uh, money laundering, uh, drug trafficking, and the effects that it has in our country and especially with the cartels. Some of the people that are going to be listening to this are um, seek – uh, a career in the liter literary arts, and they're trying to figure out what their path could be if they want to write a book. Um, and what advice would you give them? Uh, I, I'll, I'll just back up and say that hopefully you, you'll be a little more kind than Ernest Hemingway when he was in uh, Havana, Cuba uh, in the late 50s. An author had come up to him while he was drinking his favorite drink, the daiquiri, and and he said, could you take a quick scan of my book and, and uh, give me some advice? And he read it for about five minutes. He takes the book, puts it on the bar, and he looks at the author, the young budding author, and he goes, find a new career. <laughs> so let, let's, not, let's not give that recommendation. No, no, of course what, not. What, what would you recommend? I mean, what advice um, could give, give us a couple points? Number one advice is don't give up. I, uh, I initially had a, a, uh, this, this thought in my mind that <clears throat> I'm going to write this book and I'm going to get a publisher. By the way, let me, let me start by saying this, is that I didn't write this book to make any money. This, this, as a matter of fact, I've invested money to write this book. Uh, my, my intention is to, to have the story written forever. That's how important it is to me. Uh, but I understand publishers, obviously, it's, you have to sell a book, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But... I thought when I started this, uh, well, it's going to be a publisher. They're going to offer me an advance, and it's going to be kind of like what you see celebrities do, right, all the time. That's not quite the case that happened to me. Uh, I, I did have literary agents represent me at the beginning. It didn't work out. I, I ended up writing uh, book proposals, which is a process that I wasn't even aware of, a proposal, which is about a 75-page document that has a couple of chapters of the book written in it. It has statistics. It has uh, biographies of the author. It's a professional proposal that is submitted to the publishing companies. And uh, I did that, and it, and it wouldn't 
people wouldn't bite. They, they just, uh, you know, there's I'm, I'm a first time author. There's no name recognition, and so it's very difficult uh, to get them to to pay attention to that. So uh, eventually, I rewrote a brand new proposal, uh, and um, I got to a point where I ended up writing a third proposal for Crown Publishing, and we got close. We got close with Crown Publishing for them to offer something, but it, it at the end they passed, and so I was back at square one, and it was very very demoralizing to think when is this going to ever ha happen and that's why i say never give up and i didn't and i continued and i continued and i networked and every person that i that i spoke with that had any kind of avenue to uh, book writing or other authors journalists i would talk to them about it get their advice and eventually i uh, uh with this the, with the brand new proposal was able to then put it put that out until liberty hill publishing said We'll publish your book and liberty hill publishing is uh, it's about one step above self-publishing uh they don't they didn't offer me any money to write this book uh but they do offer the services of the, the distribution and all that which i wanted that i, I did need that kind of help but most importantly uh, i was able to team up now that i had all these notes and i had all these chapters written in kind of in a convoluted kind of a way uh, i had a ghostwriter help me put the the book together in a book format. You know, you you want to read a book that's entertaining, and and it's a, a it's there's a certain way you write a book, and I needed help doing that, and so I did get that help, and eventually, believe it or not, COVID helped me, because at the uh, when COVID hit and everything kind of shut down, then all of a sudden I had the time, and I really uh, sat down and finished writing the book with the with the ghostwriter, and here we are with a finished version. I'm very proud of it. One of the words you used and you got my attention uh, right off the bat was the, the word networking. And I talk to my children all the time about the value uh, of networking and how you can't even begin to put a price on it, but how vitally it is important no matter whether you go to medical school, you're a local entrepreneur, uh, you have a yard improvement business. I mean, whatever it is, there's... I just don't believe you can say enough about networking. How valuable has networking been to you? What what networks did you go to 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 help push this book out? That is so important. I actually talked about this last night. Uh, I did a, a Zoom call for my high school, um, Del Valle High School in El Paso, Texas. Uh, reached out to me because of the book, and they do an author interview. And of course, being a graduate from the high school, uh, I was very very happy to do that. And that was one of the main topics that I talked to them about. I said, listen, the context you start now as a high schooler till the rest of your life, some will, some contacts will leave, some will stay, but you just never know what, what your friends and contacts are going to become later on in life. And, and maintaining those contacts is very important. And I'll admit, I was that type of person uh, before that I would meet a lot of people and had all these business cards and I just kind of had them stored there. But a friend of mine, a retired Secret Service agent, is the one that taught me and said, listen, you have to follow up. After you meet these people in conferences, you got to follow up with an email. you got to follow up with a phone call. And I started doing that years ago. And, and it changed. It immediately changed uh, the networking. The doors completely continue to open up. I mean, I'm very proud of the endorsements that I have for my book from uh, you know, Fox News contributors, uh, congressmen. Uh, federal agents, they're all, by the way, uh, are, they're all authors. Why, why did I get these endorsements? Because I've gotten to know them. They've gotten to know me. 
and I've maintained those networking contacts. Oh, and this question came from a uh, from actual class uh, from my high school that I spoke to uh, yesterday, and it, they're they're in this English class that focuses on writing books, and there's a lot of students there that are uh, prospective authors or, or future authors possibly. And the question I got is how do, how do you keep the book flowing and the interest of the reader? And and I thought it was an excellent question because I remember talking to the publisher and when I was discussing this with the uh, the ghostwriter, is uh, it's probably the most intricate part of the process of the book is you just can't go from one subject to another and 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 kind of tell a story. You, you got to have that interest. After all is said and done, the book has to be interesting and entertaining as well. I understand that. And what I did is I included in there real stories and real uh, arrests that I did in my career and, and included those throughout the book uh, to kind of show that, you know, when I started doing this, oh, by the way, this, you know, the, I, I included this arrest and uh, not, in, not in so much detail, but <clears throat> arrests that were a... Um, an impact in my uh, in my career and how it led to my assignment in Mexico. The same thing kind of goes because it did it did have that impact. So I included those stories and it really f uh, put the put together and the flowing really well. So it's almost as if you left out little breadcrumbs along the trail leading up to the culmination, uh, the right. most intense part. And that's those little breadcrumbs are there to keep people interested in the journey along the book. Right, and, and and it always as a law enforcement officer, um, people are really interested in the police work, the 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 stuff you see on TV, right? The arrest. Yes, we did some, we did a lot of that as well. Most of it is not what you see on TV, but there are there are cases that you we did do what you do see on in movies, and so I included some of those uh, and and that are real, real arrests, um, real life situations, and rescues of of women and children, and arrests of drug traffickers in there. So in the Marine Corps, we like to rib each other and give each other a hard time, prima donnas, you know, and just anything that we could poke fun at people. Uh, are, are your law enforcement buddies like that at all? Do they kind of poke fun at you and you guys kind oh, of? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody had a nickname, especially oh. in Mexico. They call me Trips because uh, I, I was the number one traveler in um, in, in Mexico, not because, uh, and we're not talking about travelers for, for leisure here. This is all work-related travel. And I just came at them. The reason I'm traveling is because I'm working. And that's the way, it, but this, that's what they call me, trips, be, uh, because of the extensive travel that I did around the country of Mexico and uh, Central America and the U.S. So if there's a booking agent out there or somebody that has a podcast uh, like Dan Bongino, <laughs> mm -hmm. and they want to book you, to get you on to sh their show to talk about Agent Under Fire. Uh, what's the best, easiest way? I don't really want you to give a phone number out no. here unless you have a Google phone number. But uh, otherwise, what is the simplest email, Facebook, whatever? The best uh, way to reach out. Two, two places, uh, Twitter, at VicSurvivor11. Say that slowly. At Vic, V-I-C, Survivor11, one one. Uh, at VicSurvivor11 is my Twitter account. And second, they could email me at uh, v survivor e, uh, 11 at gmail.com v survivor 11 at gmail.com okay so that's that's how they can book you so i i, I think a lot of the success will go back to your skills as a networking specialist <laughs> and as there's enthusiasm created around the book 
Um, you'll be doing more and more uh, interviews. Do you have any interviews coming up now on the book? I do. I do. I, um, I did that one yesterday. I have a, a radio show uh, early next week and uh, several others that are uh, podcasts that are, that are uh, booked. I just did another one with uh, Blunt Force Truth where Chuck Woolery is the uh, the co-host, and Mark Young was... Well, tell his, us about that one, Chuck Woolery. Chuck Woolery. Chuck Woolery, uh, if you guys remember, used to be a, a, a TV personality and host of uh, of Love Connection, and big patriot and conservative American. He holds a podcast uh, named Blunt Force Truth, and uh, him and Mark Young, which Mark Young is an author, and he's one of the uh, 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 people that endorsed my book as well. And so I, I got on their podcast last week and talked about the book. Uh, and I have many, many others that will continue. The, the press release just went out this week. The official press release went out. And I will continue to have uh, those interviews. Don, Don Bangino would be a great one to have. And I'll, um, hopefully I'll get on some of these networks too as well. Uh, I'm working on the, I've already contacted uh, One American News Network. And they will have me on. And, love, and, love those guys. Yeah, so, uh, I, you know, that's the publisher obviously asks to, for me to do that, and I'm, 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 I'm really happy to do that, to sell some copies. I heard just just yesterday uh, somebody tried to order my book on Amazon. It's already on back order, so that's <laughs> that, that's good news. Well, uh, where's the hard copy? You, you bring in all the soft I know. The, 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 I, was, I was hoping to get a hard copy. The, the hard on? copies are, are uh, they're being <laughs> printed. There's been a, a lot of issues with printers, not just for me, but for across the, the literary world because of COVID, and there's a, a printing, printing delays. And so I'll get my hard copies here in the next couple of days. There's a law enforcement uh, group that has interviewed you before. Uh, what's the name of them, and are you going to do an interview with them? I think they're out of New York. Uh, are we talking about the Federal Law Enforcement yeah, Officers Association? That's the one. Uh, the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association, or, or better known as FLIOA, have been a, a, a great advocate and supporter of me and my family since day one uh, <coughs> of the shooting. I'm a member. They uh, have a, approximately 22,000 federal law enforcement officers that they represent and uh, over 60,000 members, uh, membership within the, that organization. Uh, I have already interviewed with them. They put out an email blast um, just yesterday. And so I had a lot of response from uh, a lot of ex-coworkers of mine and law enforcement officers that, that might not have social media, but they're connected to, through FLIOA. And they've also been great advocates uh, on Capitol Hill to what we're trying to do here is change the law that I mentioned earlier about the murder statute that was dismissed. They are big advocates to get this this law changed, and, and we will get it changed. How much is the soft on Amazon? Um, how much does this one cost? And then how much is the hard? hard oh, what I was going to say uh, about the, the if it's on back order on Amazon, you go to barnesandnoble.com, and they have two versions, the the uh, the paperback version is I think nineteen ninety five and the hardcover is thirty four ninety five, the same price on, on all avenues uh, or all uh, uh, websites. Uh, you can also go to Liberty Hill Liberty Hill Publishing .com, which actually will be the fastest way to get it. Uh, it's directly through the publisher. So Liberty Hill Publishing .com, and it has both versions on there as well. What is best for you? I mean, you've obviously made a huge investment. Uh, Amazon as opposed to Liberty Hill. Is there any price differential? What comes back to you? Uh, the, the royalties are different. Uh, you know, Amazon uh, is is the is the good one because it has the obviously worldwide audience, and as, and so is uh, BarnesandNoble.com. But uh, but Liberty Hill Publishing 
Facebook.com is is the royalties. I, I I end up getting a little bit more of that through them because there's no middleman. It's directly between me and just the publisher. And uh, we're about to sign off here, but uh, I, you've got at the top of the pyramid for connectivity uh, as well. You know, for people that want to find out about your book would be Victor Avila Jr. Dot com is that yeah. correct? Yeah, the 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 best way they could uh, they could do that is actually right now they just go to my Facebook, go to Victor Avila uh, Facebook page, and you'll get all the information there as well. Okay, but eventually this this uh, website will be yes. fully built out. You'll have a link to agentunderfire.com. Uh, That'll be on there. Yes, and then also the uh, Amazon, Liberty Hill, and, and any Noble. other Barnes and Noble. There will be links there. Correct. And uh, um, have people started leaving comments on the book yet? They're starting to, and that's, a, that's actually a big, big uh, aspect of it. Uh, the reviews and the comments are, are something that drives uh, ana analytically to these. Sure. Uh, they, it's a very important part of that. And so, yes, if, if you do leave a, a, a comment or a review, that's very much appreciated because Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all of them, and Liberty Hill Publishing as well, will... Uh, uh, based on those those responses, uh, move the book up to a, a different level. Yeah, the artificial intelligence and the, and the, and the way that the algorithms work, uh, the more comments that are left, uh, particularly favorable right. <laughs> comments right. that are left, it, it drives traffic. It yes. becomes a self-looking ice cream cone at that point. It just kind of, you know, uh, so. That's well, right. I, do you have anything you want to close with that you think I left out anything in the interview? No, this is uh, this. Thank you for, for allowing me again to yeah. to talk about the book. It's uh, I'm very proud of it. Uh, uh, everybody asked me, will you write a second one? The second one supposed to, supposed to come a lot easier. And at first, I, I would I would initially shut it down and said, no, this is it. But now, I don't know. I might have a second book in me. Really? You want to tease us with that a little bit? Um, might might involve some politics. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Different issue, but uh, we can talk about that uh, another time. Thank you for listening to Wise Guy Talks. Uh, I do appreciate it. And same thing goes for me. This will be up on YouTube. I, I would ap appreciate you know, giving it a like, giving it a comment, uh, passing the link around uh, so we can get Victor's book, book out to, to uh, like-minded people, shall we say. It's been a pleasure having you listen to Wise Guy Talks. Have a great day. Have a blessed day. God bless America. Thank you. Thank you.